Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. going to talk about the infamous Skinwalker Ranch. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. That is going to be the best. Yes, I'm very excited to tell this story. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so obviously for people who don't know what a Skinwalker is, we're going to start off with what is a Skinwalker, right? Right. In Navajo culture, a Skinwalker is a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. You know, you have seen animals around your place, right? Skunks and raccoons and cats, yes. So they're shapeshifters. All of them are? I don't know. I mean, the, the ones the at skunk, your house might be. The skunk was, was actually cute. Um, he was playing in the front yard, and I... Did not approach him, clearly, but he did not look to be a shapeshifter to me. It is believed that skinwalkers are medicine men or women who learn both good and evil healing magic, but those who choose to practice the evil magic become the skinwalkers. Skinwalkers may even murder a relative to gain supernatural powers. Skinwalkers are always related to an animal, animal such as a wolf, an owl, a crow or a coyote. However, they have the ability to shapeshift into any animal they choose. Right here, put an owl or a wolf sound. Ooh-hoo. They are known to knock on doors, bang on walls, peer through windows, attack livestock, and harass unsuspecting humans by appearing and disappearing. They have a lot of power. So that is what the Navajo called a skinwalker. The Skinwalker Ranch is a 480-acre cattle ranch located in the northeastern side of Utah, just outside of Ballard, Utah. The earliest reports of unexplained sightings at the ranch was in 1700 by Spanish explorers. They said they saw strange crafts or balls of light flying in the night at sky at night. The ranch is surrounded by the Ute Reservation on three sides. In the early 19th century, the area belonged to the Navajo, or the Dine, which is what they call themselves. However, when they were attacked by the Utes, who took over the land, the Dine were sold to the Spanish as slaves. Therefore, the Dine decided to curse the land with a spirit that could shapeshift from wolf to human or anything else. They cursed it with a skinwalker. From that point on, the Ute Basin was deemed to be unholy ground. So these Navajo skinwalker witches cursed mm-hmm. the land. Yes, because they were taken over the, um, they called themselves the Dine. They were taken over by the Utes and the Utes just sold them off to the Spanish. So as a parting gift, they left them the skinwalker curse. Interesting. Yeah. See, it all goes back to the Native Americans. <laughs> And them cursing the land. Yep. For Revenge what, is sweet. Revenge for what is sweet. everyone did. Mm-hmm. And by yep. yeah, massacring yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. We all know that once you find out that a location is a Native American sacred land, you do not touch it. You right. just stay the fuck away. Yeah. Because so anyway. it's still their land. Yeah. And they've, they've deemed it to be special in some way or they've cursed it. You just don't want to mess with it. 
Flash forward to the 1990s and the Sherman family, Terry and Gwen and their two kids, um, go and they check out this ranch. And they're walking around and they're like, wow, this ranch would be perfect for us. We can bring our cows. We can be, you know, out here in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's going to be great. But what they noticed when they walked through the actual house was it was somewhat unusual to them because installed by each of the four exit doors between the house and the outside were large dog chain bolts. What? <laughs> yeah, by all four doors. So the family kind of assumed that the previous owners had had a dog and they just moved it around from door to door to door. Oh, to tie up the dog? Yeah, essentially. Oh. But what they later learned was that that was not the case. The previous owners had four big ferocious dogs that they chained by each of the four exit doors. <laughs> oh no, as guards. Yes. Ooh, yes. I'm loving this. <laughs> creepy, yeah. creepy. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They also found heavy deadbolts on the inside of closet doors. Oh no. Yeah. But that didn't seem to phase them. They were like, you know what? We love it here. It's totally fine. So they bought the house and the ranch that came with it. The story goes that the day that the Sherman family moved on to the ranch, they were outside unpacking their car when an enormous coyote or wolf showed up on their property. The animal was tame, and it actually came over to the family, and the family petted it. Uh, weird, I know. But after a few minutes, the wolf went over to the livestock pen and grabbed one of the cows by its nose and tried to drag it through the corral bars. What? I <laughs> I'm just visualizing that in my head. That yeah. poor cow. Yeah, I know, right? So Terry Sherman and his father, who I think was helping them move, ran over and started beating the wolf to get it to release the cow. That didn't seem to work, so uh, Terry got out his 357 Magnum and shot it at point-blank range. Nothing happened. Didn't stop him. He shot it again. And this time, the wolf did release the calf, but it did not run away. There was no sign of injury on the wolf at all. So Terry Ugh. kept shooting at the wolf, and though it didn't run, it did start to back off a little bit. And this was in broad daylight. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. So then Terry grabbed his hunting rifle and shot at it again. This time, some of its skin and hair did blow off, but the wolf still did not go anywhere. He just kind of hung out. Finally, he did trot off. Terry tried to track it, but he lost its trail. Couldn't find it. That's their first day. <laughs> okay. So he like blew a hole in this wolf and yeah. this wolf still was like, Just like hey, kind of shrugged it off. Like, well, is that all you got? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Where's your AK-47 dude? Yeah. After the Sherman settled in, they started noticing other strange things happening on the property. There were large impressions left in their pastures. Some were circular imprints and others were triangular. Oh my God. One was a... 30-foot triangle. Others were only three feet wide and two feet deep. Crop circles. Yeah, kind ah. of. But there were no crops. But I think it was just like out in the dirt that this was happening. Then their cattle started to die unexpectedly. Uh, the first cow was um, found with only a hole in the center of its left eyeball. Oh, I thought you were going to say of its nose. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no predators had attacked the carcass either, which is also very weird. That a, is crazy. A second cow was later found with the same hole in the left eyeball. Terry took a wire and inserted it into the hole and said it was slipped easily through all the way to the center of its brain. 
They also had several cows disappear and that could not be found. Uh, Terry even tracked one cow following its hoof tracks in the snow. The trail just stopped under some trees. Its last steps were still embedded in the snow, but there were no other tracks. It just stopped. And it was the, the tracks were surrounded by fallen burned twigs and branches from the trees above. Like it got like laser beamed up into a craft or something. <laughs> That's wow. what I'm picturing. <laughs> moo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to have some moo sounds. Yeah, definitely want a moo sound in there. The Shermans um, started seeing glowing silent orbs and lights that looked like headlights. They saw orange orbs, square orbs that would emit spikes of light. Then they started to hear disembodied voices. Um, on a summer day, Terry and his son and his nephew heard two voices speaking to each other in an unknown language, sounding like Russian and Native American. It's always the Russians. They definitely were involved clearly on the Skinwalker Ranch. Terry yelled, we can hear you. And the voices stopped for a moment before they heard laughter. And then the conversation started up again. So then one night, Gwen was able to see a square lighted structure sitting on the ground. She could see a large, heavy set individual seated in the object. Then both her and Terry watched it through a 60 power spotting scope. They saw a figure standing next to the object and Terry thought the person was over seven feet tall and wearing all black with a shiny face or head. Wow, huge. Yeah, really weird. This is my favorite part of the story. Um, I wrote, the final straw was one night when the family witnessed glowing blue balls. Insert joke here. <laughs> this is where the rest of the story is going to be a lot of fun. Glowing blue Because I get to say blue balls like all the time going on from here on out. Yeah, okay. that, was, that was the father having a bad night. He so, stepped out for a smoke and they saw his glowing blue his balls. His glowing blue balls. So these blue balls were floating all around the property. The... <laughs> The balls gave off a crackling sound and seemed intelligent. <laughs> Maybe this was just the part. Intelligent <laughs> balls? Unheard of. Unheard of. I am not going to be able to do this well. I'm going to tell you that right now. Okay. When the Shermans would shine a flashlight at the balls, they would retreat. Terry said it was a glass ball about the size of a baseball, which appeared to contain two blue fluids, which intermingled with each other. Terry said it was the most scared he's ever been in his life. The Shermans decided to coax their three dogs to chase the blue balls. The dogs took off into a wooded area chasing the balls. The Shermans could no longer see the blue balls, but they did hear their dogs yelp out in pain. Oh my god, enough about the balls. The dogs did not come back, Carol. What? Nope. The next morning, Terry went to look for the dogs and found three burned circles in the woods. And in the center of each circle was a greasy blob of what looked to be shortening or butter. Ew. Yeah. The trees above the burn rains also had a scorched appearance. Their dogs were never back. Like, whatever this butter or shortening, we don't, I don't even know if it even looked like a dog. But that's what they found. It's too bad they didn't get a sample of it, you know, so they could study maybe whether it was margarine or maybe real they butter. <laughs> it was margarine or butter. <laughs> the disappearance of their dogs prompted the Shermans to finally move away from the ranch. They actually sold the ranch to uh, billionaire Robert Bigelow, who is the founder of the National Institute for Discovery Science. Nice. They sold it to Robert for a measly $200,000. Mr. Bigelow was highly interested in conducting UFO and paranormal research at the ranch. 
So he brought in retired Army Colonel John Alexander, who is essentially the Army's version of Fox Mulder from the X-Files. Apparently, he's got a resume that kind of looks like that's the type of work he's into. Does he have a trench coat? Uh, He probably does. I've never seen him, so I don't know for sure. Um, The New York Times did report, though, that the NIDS, the National um, Institute for Discovery Science, was actually funded up to $22 million by the Department of Defense. So Uh they were in there trying to figure out some shit. However, the investigations at the ranch proved to be fruitless. They could not explain the activity at the ranch. Um, Their cameras failed and their video cameras were vandalized. So they did see some odd things happen on the property, but they were never able to document or capture any of it on film or take it down digitally. So they didn't really have a whole lot of way to study it and really kind of apply a scientific method to it because it didn't really... There wasn't really the test designed to test this stuff, I guess. I'm not entirely sure, but it's kind of a weird... They couldn't... They weren't able to do what they set out to accomplish. Eventually, in 2016, Bigelow sold the ranch to a company called Adamnadium Holdings, which is a shell corporation of unknown origin, and they bought it from him for for $4.5 million. Well, they must have found something because even without video or anything like that, somehow this property became extremely valuable. It is the new Area 51 in my book. I say they actually found butter, not margin. (laughs) You might be right. Maybe the butter was spurting up from the ground like um, a geyser. Yeah. I mean, that could be it. But since this company has bought the ranch, all roads leading to the ranch have been blocked. The perimeter is guarded by cameras and barbed wire, and there are signs posted warning people not to approach the ranch. That essentially is Skinwalker Ranch. Super creepy. Super weird. I think I would want to go and see what's going on well, there. Well, the fact is that this weird um, shell corporation of an unknown origin has got everything like tied up. It's it's like Area 51 all over again. Like you can't go there. You get chased off. Like, and then they bought it for almost five million dollars. It's like Ooh. something weird is going on there. I bet it is alien activity. Something something weird. Or it's a skinwalker. Wow, Holly, that was that was the perfect, perfect story as a segue to my story. Yeah, what's your story? My story is the black-eyed children. Yeah, yay! I love black-eyed kids. And they're the only kind of kids I like. I know. They're the only <laughs> kids you'd like because they're not really kids. As long as they don't knock on my door and ask to come in, I love them. So for those of you who are not familiar with this strange phenomenon, black-eyed kids are described as normal-looking kids. They're about between the ages of 5 and 16 who have completely black eyes, no white in the eyes, and they usually keep them hidden by looking down or keeping to dark shadows. They only appear at night. They usually are seen in pairs of two or three and are wearing out-of-date clothing, which isn't in fashion for the time. People say that there's an overwhelming feeling of dread and terror when these children start speaking to them. The children will almost always ask for help or ask you for something, and they tend to say, let me into your car or home. And sometimes they use the excuse that they need to use a phone or get a drink of water or use the bathroom. But when they speak, it's very monotone without emotion, and they tend to use odd words for things like saying, 
telegraph, for telephone. And then when you refuse them, they appear to be very aggressive and very insistent when they're denied any help. Wow. So very spooky. And there's several theories as to what they might be. So what you're saying is they're like normal kids. (laughs) (laughs) They're like junior hires, actually. They're like teenagers. Yeah. Okay. Moody, you know. Several theories are that they might be vampires or, you know, gray aliens who've done like a hybrid project with humans because, you know, the gray aliens have the large black eyes. Okay. Skeptics say that these are just pranks by people who are wearing like scalar contacts or I think that's how you pronounce them, which um, those came out around the early 1990s and you can easily purchase them for under like $30. But others say the kids are way too young to be wearing contacts because some of them are only like five years old. Really? I've yeah. never heard of a black-eyed kid being so young. It, that It's true. Hmm. So in 1998, the first written reports of the black-eyed children were posted online and was reported to have happened in Abilene, Texas, and you will like this, Holly, huh. Portland, Oregon. Of course we have black-eyed children here. Of course. We have every other kind of creature Serial killers, we have Bigfoot, we have D.B. Cooper. They're all here. They're all here. There was also a paranormal investigator, Lee Brickley, who was researching a hotspot for paranormal activity in a place called Canuck Chase in the U.K. And I would love to do a story on this place because this area has been known for super bizarre stories, especially of mutant creatures, and you would love this. There's like the story of these humongous muscle black cats that terrorized the town. I would love that. Okay, maybe I'll let you do the story if the you're really nice. Muscle Black Cats? Muscle Where's Black it at? Cats. What's it called? Canic Chase. And don't look Canic it up Chase. while I'm talking. Don't look it up because I know you're tempted. <laughs> and there's a pigman. A pigman. A pigman. And some huge beast similar to like our Bigfoot. Anyway, there's all kinds of stuff going on out there. What? And this researcher who was out there, you know, researching all this other stuff, said that when he heard the stories about the black eye kids online and when it started circulating, he started to make the connection between people having sightings about what he called child ghosts and their creepy eyes happening back in the 1980s. Huh. So there was a time when his aunt and friends saw a black-eyed child ghost on Canic Chase back in 1982. And the story goes that this ghost was of a young girl who was murdered along with two other children back in 1966 and 1977 by a local resident, Raymond Morris. The girl's eyes are said to be fully black because she was forced to wear a black blindfold when she was murdered. And he said that there were many other stories circulating out there of these sightings. And a paper started running the story on these kids because there were so many sightings. The paper just said, hey, it's this mass hallucination going on and it's caused by a chemical plant dumping toxic stuff in the air, which they said also explains all the mutant animals seen in the area. But here's the thing, over the years, it's become also a hotbed for UFO sightings. So this sounds like the plot to Stranger Things. I know, Netflix. doesn't it? They're, they live in the upside down. They do. It's like the craziest place. Um, so like we, we definitely have to do a story on the place sometime. The black-eyed children's sightings are now worldwide. And one theory is that in Ireland, they're called the Seely, which is a type of changeling. And these fairies are said to steal children... And what they do is they exchange them for one of their own. And these malicious fairies would also have large black eyes. Hmm. 
There was someone who said that their own Irish great-grandmother made the habit of checking every baby born just to make sure their eyes weren't black. Oh. So this is, this is, you know, stemming from other legends from a long time ago. Yeah. People nowadays are throwing out a theory saying that our 4G and 5G networks are opening doorways, allowing more of these types of fairies into our world. And that's why we're seeing more and more sightings of these black-eyed children. Our cell phone networks are opening doorways to the fourth dimension. That's right, because they're saying that the vibration doesn't match with our world. We're not meant to have those types of frequencies. And so what it's doing is it's causing like a portal for fairies to come through. And that's why we're seeing all this phenomenon with these black-eyed children. This also corresponds like the fact that, you know, these fairies might be, you know, who these children actually are, is because these children are often seen coming out of and back into nearby woods or towns that seem to have dense forests nearby. Hence, Portland, right? So there are so, so, so many scary stories about <laughs> sightings of these children. It, it was just very difficult to choose one for the show. But one thing that seems to be a common denominator is that in these stories, nobody ever feels sorry for these kids and nobody ever lets them inside. They're just too terrified. Because if they do let them in, we would never know because they die, right? Right. I don't know. I guess they've all been educated on what not to do with vampires. But did you ever wonder what would happen if you let these kids in? One one of the common denominators also is that they all have the same reaction to those kids, which is intense fear. Right. So that is their intuition saying don't do it. That it's evil. Yeah. Well, I did come across one sighting by a lady that wants her experience to be told. And so she's allowed people to publish her story. The condition is that she does not want her name to be published with the story. I'm just going to tell it from her uh, perspective. I live just outside of a rural town in Vermont. It's a tight-knit community, and people just don't lock their doors at night. There's no need to. A little over a year ago, I woke up because I heard a loud banging on my front door. At the time, my husband and I, we lived in a small home on a dirt road just off the rural route into town. It was the middle of a snowstorm, and the nearby hills get very slippery in the snow. So I thought that someone might have been in an accident and broken down. When I looked out the window, I could see that the motion spotlight was on. I could see that there were footprints in the snow that had come from our road and into our driveway, but there was no car anywhere. The snow was still covering the road, and no one had driven on it for at least a couple of hours. Our front door was obscured from the window, but I could see that someone was standing there. I wasn't sure what to think, so I woke my husband up just to feel safer. While I was telling him what was going on, the banging on the door started again, and my husband went to answer it while I stood in the hallway. When he opened the door, there were two children standing in the snow looking toward the ground. They were a boy and a girl and could not have been more than eight years old. They were dressed strangely and had odd haircuts. The girl's hair was very long and straight, and the boy had a dated haircut that looked almost like a bowl cut. 
My first thought was that they must have been Mennonite children, but as far as I knew, there was never a large community of Mennonites near us. Thinking back on it, I know that my normal reaction to seeing children in a snowstorm would have been to rush out, get them inside, bundle them up with some blankets and hot cocoa, but that is not how this felt. The children were very unnerving. They would not make eye contact, and when my husband asked them if everything was okay, they asked if they could come in. My husband looked at me like, what do I do? And I asked the kids where their parents were. They'll be here soon, is all they said. It was around two o'clock in the morning at this point, so the only reasonable thought in my head was that there must have been an accident or these kids got lost. As much as my instincts told me not to bring them inside, I did it anyway. I went into the kitchen to make them some hot chocolate while my husband took them into the living room. While I was fixing the kettle, I could hear my husband talking to the kids. He was asking them if they were okay, where they came from, how far they walked, if their parents' car was broken down, things like that. But they always answered, our parents will be here soon. And they spoke this in a sing-songy voice. They weren't afraid to be in a stranger's home at all. I started to notice that even our cats, we had four, were all hiding, except Pigeon, who was in the kitchen with me. Normally, our cats are very curious and friendly, and we have to be careful that they don't run out the door when we leave. This time, none of them even tried to see who was here, which I thought was very strange. All of the hair on Pigeon's neck was standing up, and his tail was puffed up while he looked in the living room. When I bent down to pet him and see what was wrong, he hissed and started growling and backed up until he had himself all the way hidden under the kitchen island. I have never seen my cat do that before. When I walked back into the living room, the kids were sitting on the couch as still as can be, but my husband was holding his head in his hands. I asked him what was wrong, and he just said he felt very dizzy, but he was fine. I turned back to the children to give them their hot chocolate, but when they looked at me, I gasped. It took everything inside of me not to drop the mugs and run away. When they looked at me, their eyes were completely black. They had no whites, just these giant black pupils. When they saw that I was scared, they stood up and asked if they could use the bathroom. I tried to be as composed as I could be and showed them down the hall. But when they went to the bathroom together, I hurried back to my husband to ask him if he had seen their eyes. He had seen them too and said that it looked like they might have had a car accident or something. We were in the middle of talking about whose children they could be when my husband's nose started to bleed. He'd never had nosebleeds as long as I've known him. I just knew inside myself this had something to do with the kids in the bathroom and I started crying while I ran to get my husband some tissues. And that's when the power went out. Oh, fuck that. I'm gone. Leaving my husband for dead and I'm gone. I heard my husband yell my name from the living room. And as I started to walk back through the hallway, I stopped dead in my tracks. The two children were standing at the end of the hallway. They weren't moving. I've never been so scared in my whole life. Fuck that shit. They just stood there in the dark. Nope. After what felt like forever, the boy said, our parents are here. And they walked to the door, opened it, and walked out, leaving it wide open. My husband jumped up, 
to close it and almost fell over. We looked out the window and saw two men standing by a black car idling at the end of our driveway. The men looked like they were wearing black colored suits, were very tall, at least six feet. And when my husband waved at them, they just stared at us, got into the car, and drove off. They sound like the guys at Skinwalker Ranch, the tall guy with a shiny face. Or the men in black. And the men in black. Doesn't, doesn't it kind of resemble that, too? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Slender Man. Maybe. Oh, my God. It goes on and on and on. They're all connected, We are putting it all together. Our power came on about a half an hour later, but nothing was the same after that. Over the next few months, three of our cats went missing. That's not okay. I know. We can only assume they ran away somewhere and never came back. But after that, she said her husband got super sick, got regular nosebleeds, and was soon diagnosed with aggressive skin cancer. Oh, my God. She also had experienced dizzy spells and nosebleeds on a regular basis. And she said, you know, there are other health concerns she has, but she can't talk about them. And nobody seems to be able to do anything about it. I also came across reports, Holly, from other people saying they're coming down with cancer as well after their encounters with the black-eyed children. But again, that is pretty much everyone these days, right? Yes. So I know that a lot of alien contacts also say that they've had weird health problems Mm -hmm. yeah, and cancer issues, too, from high exposure to radiation that they think is associated with these alien Mm -hmm. visitations. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is going on, Holly? Well, I'm not sure what's going on, but it sounds to me like when the black eyed kids show up at your house, they do something that is so energetically damaging to your health and the health of your pets that that you can't even be in the same space with them because it will be way too much. Like if the cat's death is attributed to their visit, I mean, think of that. A cat's small little animal, it cannot take on that intense energy and people also get affected by it. It makes them sick, it's so intense. And I feel like they might have killed this couple if their parents hadn't shown up. But. That's like the question, though. Why do the black-eyed kids want to come inside? What is that about? What is the purpose of coming inside? And the two guys that picked them up, are they really like they're doing an experiment to see how normal people will interact with these kids? Are they from the government or are they aliens themselves? Like, I have so many questions. You know what we should do? We should try to book an interview with a black-eyed kid. But we won't invite him over. We'll just Skype with him. Should we I put that out there? I don't if you're a black-eyed kid, get a hold of us at firesidephantoms at gmail.com. I mean, I don't think black-eyed kids are going to come on the show for an interview. You don't think so? No. Hi, Holy. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Holy Holly from now on. Ooh. I'm ashamed that I'm decayed and bugs are eating my face. A skinwalker is a type of a harmful witch who has the ability to turn into, possess, or just... Try that again. I don't like the word possess. In Navajo culture, a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into, possess... Or disguise themselves as an animal. Carol has got her flashlight on me. I don't like spotlights. What's the difference between a shapeshifter and a skinwalker? I have no idea. Because my story is about skinwalkers, not shapeshifters. (laughs)
when the Shermans would shine a flashlight at the balls, they would retreat. (laughs) (laughs) And were the balls hairy or smooth? I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to do this. This is going to be too hard. Because all I can picture is a flashlight shining at someone's balls and then retracting. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like this. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. It's not that funny. I got to get my shit together. Okay. Get your shit together. So these fluids would intermingle with each other. Nice. I think you might have to take the... um, Do it. You might want to say most scared. Most scared? Scared scared isn't a word? I don't think so. Is that why it's interlining red on my thing? (laughs) (laughs) Did they swallow the balls? And in the center of each circle was a greasy blog. I'm sorry. A greasy... Fuck. Did start over? Yes. Their dogs were never back. Like, whatever this butter or shortening, we don't... I don't even know if it even looked like a dog. But that's what they found. Oh, they should have, like done a sample of it made some cookies <laughs> oh god you should probably take that out josh i'm gonna get so much trouble i don't know <laughs> i don't know if we should make cookies. there was someone who said that their own irish grant oh <clears throat> saying this again it's hard i'm looking at josh and he's nodding his head like yeah that's that's a thing it's a believable oh. thing it's <laughs> Yeah, I'm like Josh. Do you know about this? No, no. <laughs> I'm shocked. I've never heard this, yeah. and it's an amazing theory. And I I'm love very it. convincing, Holly. <laughs> and he's just in there, like, yeah. I can uh-huh. convince anyone uh-huh. of anything. <laughs> yeah, you're getting you're very, good. very sleepy, Holly. Very you're right, sleepy. You're right. I am. It's getting late. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.